Good afternoon. It is so good to be with you today as we continue to study God's Word here at Northfield Boulevard Church of Christ. God's prophet Jeremiah cried about what had happened to his homeland. He lamented over what his fellow countrymen had to endure. In his first three laments, we have noted in our study of lamentations, we've noted how, first of all, sin is what ruined the nation. And we noted how that God was faithful. He was faithful in the outpouring of his wrath. And we also took note of the fact that hope, that his hope is only in the Lord. It is not in man's wisdom, nor is it in man's ways. In today's lesson, we will read and overview the two remaining chapters of the book of Lamentations. It's a total of five. So we're going to look at chapter four and chapter five this afternoon. The distressful conditions of Jerusalem were unbearably grievous. Survival mode had led, had led some people to do horrible things, cruel things. And Jeremiah calls to mind that Jehovah's wrath accomplished what he intended for it to do. But again, the root cause was not God. The root cause was the multitude of sins being committed by the people of God, by the children of God. The consequences of the nation's sins took them down a treacherous path, a path where they did not want to go. And so it is today as well. Sin does that to all of us. Man's sins and sin's consequences still take us where we do not want to be. So let us begin by first reading Lamentations chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles handy, open up your Old Testaments to the fourth chapter of Lamentations. How dark the gold has become. The pure gold has changed. Sacred stones are poured out at the corner of every street. The precious sons of Zion weighed against fine gold. How they are regarded as earthen jars, the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer the breast. They nurse their young, but the daughter of my people has become cruel, cruel like ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the infant cleaves to the roof of its mouth because of thirst. The little ones ask for bread, but no one breaks it for them. Those who ate delicacies are desolate in the streets. Those reared in purple embrace ash pits. For the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the sin of Sodom, which is overthrown as in a moment, and no hands were turned toward her. 
Her consecrated ones were purer than snow. They're whiter than milk. They're more ruddy and bonny than corals. Their polishing was like lapis lazuli. Their appearance is blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin is shriveled on their bones. It is withered. It has become like wood. Better are those slain with the sword than those, those slain with hunger. For they pine away, being stricken for lack of the fruits of the field. The hands of compassionate women boiled their own children. They became food for them because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. The Lord has accomplished his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger. He has kindled a fire in Zion which has consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe. Nor did any of the inhabitants of the world that the adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who have shed in her midst the blood of the righteous, they wandered blind in the streets. They were defiled with blood so that no one could touch their garments. Depart unclean. They cried of themselves, depart, do not depart, do not touch. So they fled and wandered. Men among the nations said, they shall not continue to dwell with us. The presence of the Lord has scattered them. He will not continue to regard them. They did not honor the priest. They did not favor the elders. Yet our eyes failed. Looking for help was useless. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save. They hunted our steps so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end drew near. Our days were famished, for our end had come. Our pursuers are swifter than the eagles of the sky. They chased us on the mountains. They waited in ambush for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointed, was was captured in their pits. Of whom we had said, under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, who dwells in the land of Uz. But the cup will come around to you as well. You will become drunk and make yourself naked. The punishment of your iniquity has been completed, O daughter of Zion. He will exile you no longer. But he will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. Jerusalem's siege conditions were so bad that people had become, as described here in chapter 4, more cruel than animals. One of the main objectives of a siege, that is a siege tactic, is or was to starve people so that they would give up. They, they would eventually just give up because 
They're tired of being hungry. It is for that reason the prophet Jeremiah states in verse 9 of chapter 4, Better are those slain with the sword than those slain with hunger. In chapter 4, you have a description that is a dark picture. Sons of Zion were regarded as no more value than clay pots. Verse 2. The Nazarites, the consecrated ones, who were known for their healthy appearances, had become shriveled up walking skeletons. In verse 5, we're told about wealthy citizens who were reduced to rummaging in garbage in the ash pits in order to survive. Children were starving. They were starving because they were cruelly being neglected. We're told that the jackals took better care of their young than the citizens of Jerusalem. In verse 10, the horrid picture of mothers boiling their own children for food. Sin, and in the consequence of sin, had taken Jerusalem and Judah where they would not want to have gone. The destruction and devastation brought on by God, by God's judgment, a righteous judgment against Jerusalem was so great that the surrounding kings and the surrounding nations were shocked. You look there in verse 11 and 12, and where it mentions how they did not think that Jerusalem's gates would ever be broken and that they would ever be entered by her adversaries. But they were. And we need to learn from this that we should never be deceived in thinking that any nation or any people or any group of individuals are so strong that they will never suffer as others have suffered in history. Pride goes before the fall. Now their sin was the cause. Their sin was the cause for this overwhelming calamity that is described here in chapter 4. Satan's lie to Eve back in Genesis chapter 3, when he said, You surely will not die, was used then and it is still being used today. And it's being believed by most people where we believe this lie that we will not die. We will not suffer the consequences of sin as described in God's holy word. Falsehood about peace and falsehood about security had blinded and hardened the citizens of Jerusalem and Judah so that sinners continued to sin with no shame. But Jerusalem's sins and Judah's sins were great. It was so great that down in verse 6 of Lamentations chapter 4, that their iniquity is said to have been greater than the sin of Sodom. 
which is talked about in Genesis 19. That's how bad it was. In verse 13, wicked priests and wicked prophets had shed innocent blood, the innocent blood of righteous ones. And thus, they had been, they were looked upon as the unclean, unclean like lepers, for they had defiled themselves, they had defiled their hands with innocent blood. And yet, Stubbornly rejecting Jehovah, the people, along with their king, Zedekiah, the Lord's anointed one, wrongfully put their trust in man's strength. In alliances who could not save. In verse 17, in our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save. Verse 20, the breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointed, was captured in their pits. Of whom we had said, under his shadow we shall live among the nations. They had been deceived. They had believed falsehood. And the horrifying conditions in Jerusalem were brought on as a result of rejecting God. It was brought on as a result of being led astray by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin brings about death. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6. Sin destroys lives. Sin tears apart families. It robs souls of goodness and peace. It leaves in its wake ruin and brokenness. It causes people to do what is unthinkable. To do what is unimaginable. If they were sober-minded. But no one is exempt from divine justice, including the neighboring nation of Edom, as chapter 4 concludes. Edom had stood by and rejoiced over Judah's painfully sad end. But Jeremiah laments here that that Jehovah, the one who rules all nations was soon to expose and punish Edom's sins too. The cup will come around to you as well, he said, and you'll become drunk and make yourself naked. He will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. What happened to Judah would happen to Edom too because of sin. Sin and its consequences. But when reproached by God, any hope, any hope for restoration is through penitently seeking God's mercy. And that's what you find in Lamentations 5, which is a penitent prayer, a humble prayer being offered up to God from Jeremiah on behalf of his people. So let's turn our our focus now on reading the last chapter of the book of Lamentations, beginning in verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our reproach. 
Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our houses to aliens. We have become orphans without a father. Our mothers are like widows. We have to pay for our drinking water. Our wood comes to us at a price. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are worn out. There is no rest for us. We have submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our fathers sinned and are no more. It is we who have borne their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is no one to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin has become as hot as an oven because of the burning heat of famine. They ravished the women in Zion, the virgins in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung by their hands. Elders were not respected. Young men worked at the grinding mill and you stumbled under loads of wood. Elders are gone from the gate. Young men from their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us. But we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes are dim. Because of Mount Zion, which lies desolate, foxes prowl in it. You, O Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. The eternal nature of God is what instills confidence in a man of faith. Because God is, was, and will forever be. We can have faith in him. And it is also the reason why the man of faith can have hope even in such dark times as in the days of Jeremiah. God never ceases to be the ruler. The ruler of all men, of all nations, of the world, spanning all time, spanning all generations. He is the same God today as he was then. And so therefore hope is in his son. In Hebrews, for example, chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, you know, looking there beginning in verse 17. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. That's exactly what Jeremiah is doing. 
He's turning to the unchangeable one, the God that does not lie, to take refuge and find strong encouragement and to find hope. Verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor. That is, we Christians have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered, a forerunner for us. We find confidence and we find hope. Where? We find it in God. And even in, in our darkest days and darkest hours, when we turn to God in penitent prayer, seeking His mercy, we find the hope for restoration. Now, Jeremiah asked God to take note of the extent of their afflictions, verse 1. He says, remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our reproach. Now, God is already aware of this. He knows this. He, he, he has seen what has transpired. And he knows what, how they're suffering. He knows why they're suffering. But Jeremiah calls their circumstances of suffering to the forefront of God's mind because Jeremiah desired God to take it away. He desired God to lift the burden. So he says, humbly, remember, God, what has happened? Look and see what is transpiring. For all joy had been turned into mourning. What is described here in these verses is how they were cruelly oppressed, having even to pay for their own water and having to pay for their own wood. Their inheritance had been given to strangers. The elderly were no longer treated with respect. Their wives and the daughters were raped. Young men and children were forced into hard labor, and princes were hanged in shameful deaths. God, remember us. See our reproach. At the same time, though, Jeremiah confessed that these woes that they suffered were because they had sinned. Verse 7, our father sinned and are no more. Verse 16, woe to us, for we have sinned. But the younger generations had borne the brunt of the consequences of their father's sins. There can be no healing by ignoring or excusing wrongdoing, by turning a blind eye to sin and not seeing sin for what it is and seeing what sin will do to us. Every man must man up to his sins. We must face that we are spiritually bankrupt because we have sinned. And that we need to turn to God and mourn, mourn over our sins in a godly manner. That's why Jesus included in the Beatitudes these. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Yes, God, look and remember and see what we have suffered and what we are bearing. But God, we have sinned. 
The woes that we are, we are enduring are because our fathers and us have sinned. And so therefore we are faint and our eyes are dim. But God, you alone, you alone are able to restore us. You alone are able to renew us. Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored Renew our days as of old. You know, it appeared that God had utterly rejected them. And now, and so therefore now, only God's intervention can change that. Only only God can change what had befallen them. And Jeremiah knows this. And so Jeremiah appeals to God, and and his appeal comes to him in a question. When he says, why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so long? Now, God's discipline was executed. God's judgment was executed because he had not forgotten, but because he loved them. Again, in Hebrews, but this time over in Hebrews chapter 12, in talking about the discipline of God that comes from above, even in the lives of Christians, it says... For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? What has transpired and happened to Jerusalem and Judah... Because God was holy, and God is holy, and God had loved them, and God is love. Yes, God punished them for their sins in a just manner. But he had not utterly rejected them. He had not utterly forgotten them. He had not utterly forsaken them. And so therefore, restoration or renewal are possible because God is. God is holy, God is just, God is compassionate, and God is faithful. We are promised by the Lord through the writing of the Apostle John, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, if we man up to when we have sinned, God is faithful. And God is righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man gets himself into a lot of trouble. He can dig a pretty big hole that can be hard to climb out of. But where can you go for forgiveness? Where can you go for salvation? Where can you go for eternal life except to God, the Father, to Jesus Christ? Jeremiah understood That the only hope for mercy and the only hope for reconciliation was to penitently turn back to God and to pray for his deliverance. The book of Lamentations is a sad book. It's a lament. And it is sad because of all the terrible things that, that was happening to Jerusalem. 
That here you got God's people, the children of God, suffering this terrible plight, you know, but they had gotten themselves into this. And they got themselves into this. They dug this hole because of a love of this world. But at the same time, this book amplifies God's holiness. It amplifies God's goodness and God's righteousness. So we need to learn the lessons of lamentations. We need to take to heart how serious sin really is. If we sow to the flesh, if we sow sin, we will reap what we do not want to bear. What we do not want to suffer. And that sin's consequences will take us where we do not want to be. For the ultimate consequence of sin is the second death, is eternal torment in hell, separated from God in utter darkness. But because God loves the world, he offers to all the opportunity to be saved, to be delivered from his righteous wrath that he will faithfully pour out on the world. It is coming one day. We just don't know when. It may be in our lifetime. It may be after our lifetime. But God is sending his son back. And he will judge the world in righteousness. But mercy and grace are in Christ now. And if you want to reap the blessings of forgiveness and salvation and the hope of eternal life, then you need to turn to God. You need to turn to the Lord. You need to seek Him with all your heart in faith. And you need to obey Him. If you're not a Christian, we want to urge you to consider eternity. And the seriousness of sin's consequences. There is no hope outside of Christ. Hope is in the Lord Jesus. If you believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you believe that with all your heart, if you will confess that faith before men, repent of your sins, and be buried with Christ in baptism as the Lord has commanded, your sins will be washed away. You will be cleansed and you'll become a member of the body of Christ. You become a child of God in his family. Do not wait too late. If you are a Christian and there's sin in your life that you've not repented of, that you've not confessed and prayed to God about, if we can assist you in turning your life back to the Lord, in being reconciled as a son and daughter of God. We encourage you, please, contact us, either by phone, by email, some way, let us know. We'd be glad to help you in your journey to live your life right with God. Thank you for listening and studying with us today. You have a good day.